is your classic metal show right here on the classic metal show.com. That is from the brand new release, simply known as three. It is the demons and wizards. Name of that tune is wolves in winter. And on the line right now, we have the, the main wolf in this winter, Mr. Hansi Kurz. Hansi, how are you, sir? I'm very good. Uh, how are you? I'm good, man. It's, uh, it is always good when we get brand new stuff from demons and wizards and, you know, and if if the last fifteen years are any um are any sampling, it's it's very rare that we get new demons and wizards, man. So very good. Yeah, it's a nice album, but a, a sad story um, to know that it took fifteen years. And uh, well, I hope that whenever there is the next demons and wizards, it's not going to take another fifteen years. Sure. Now, now, Hansi, uh, you know, obviously it has taken 15 years. What, what caused it? Was it just your, your busy schedule with, um, with Blind Guardian and, and John's schedule not meshing up or, or, or what? Exactly. It was not meshing up at all. Um, we realized that touring has become a bigger issue over the last 15 years sure. than it was back in the days. Um, and, the schedules of Blind and Blind Guardian and Iced Earth, they more or less had aligned for the first 10 to 15 years of our career, but that changed drastically after Touched by the Crimson Kings. So whenever I would have been available, John was not around and the other way around. So uh, there was no chance. We spoke about that from early 2010 on. And um, yeah, we had some efforts to create space for this third album but it never really was a doable option for us so at the very end we just really nailed it down uh, in the end of 2018 and throughout the year 2019 which was the only available spot ever since sure now with, with a gap that large were you still writing material that that was potentially for demons and wizards or or do you not do you not concentrate on it until you've got you know a schedule in order? John and I are pretty much the same there. Um, we do not really write songs for Demons and Wizards unless we decide that it is about the time to do so. Okay. Um, there there are exceptions. Uh, when John and I met in 2016, he provided me with three instrumental arrangements. He said he. Uh, had no ideas about vocal uh, vocals for these ones so he handed that in to me and uh, i worked on that in the year 2017 these songs were new dawn universal truth and uh, invincible and yeah. technically they have been written for iced earth and sons of liberty uh, but without vocals and uh, therefore it was an option to use these tracks for uh, demons wizards and I would imagine that one or the other track on the first Demons and Wizards album might have been in John's uh, mind for a while. He probably even have tracked them uh, prior to Demons and Wizards. But he, you know, whenever he doesn't feel anything vocal-wise, he just put it aside. And um, we may have used some of these songs. But with regard to me, I can say for sure none of the melody lines I came up with um, were you know, created prior to what John and I did together. Sure. Which is really kind of amazing for you because you, you are a prolific writer. I mean, you do write a lot of music, so it's, it's surprising to me that you don't have things that, 
you know, you've written and, and you're just like, well, it doesn't fit Blind Guardian, but I'll keep it in case, you know, I get the right the right musical piece to come with it. Yeah, there would be like a few tunes which I accomplished with either on my own or with other people over the years. But if I don't feel they are suitable for Blind Guardian, they usually aren't for Demons and Wizards as well because okay. John, you know, brings his his style as well. And that's part of the magic. You know that collaboration and that you know how how things are linked, even with the songs I mentioned, which she had uh, probably arranged for Ice uh, Earth or Sons of Liberty, they would turn out in two completely different directions. If either John would do the vocals, the vocal lines for this one, or one of his vocalists he's working with, because it's you know. A different creation then and um, whatever i put has that you know has my individual handwriting and that makes the difference but as i said whenever i create a song which i'm not 100 percent satisfied with i usually just put it aside and never use it for one of the the the, the, the big uh, projects i'm involved in sure i, I did some piano stuff with uh, michael schuren who um, worked with Blank Guardian a couple of times, and these songs are really cool. But you know, I never felt the necessity to release them. Okay, excellent. Well, um, well, Hansi, let, let's talk a little bit about this new release, Demons and Wizards Three. It's um, it's not going to fool anybody that was a fan of Demons and Wizards into thinking it's a different band. It definitely has all of the elements that has made Demons and Wizards what it is. But there are songs on it that you know, where, where you did some different things, which, which is very, you know, intriguing for, for you as the artist was, did you purposely try to bring some new flavor and some new, you know, some new sounds to the table? No, I think it's a, a regular development, uh, which John and I both have undergone and it just happened at the right moment that we came up with uh, this album and uh, we were able to put in these ingredients and the other guy was always uh, capable in picking that up and you know transforming it into something which makes it even more demons wizards uh, like i really felt that um, there was a good spirit throughout the whole songwriting period and um, there was not a lot of talking about which direction we would, you know, prefer for this album. We defined the qualities of the first two albums and we both agreed on uh, the simple fact that the atmospheric parts on these albums are the, the ones which attracted people. So mm. um, we wanted those elements to be a part on the new Demons and Wizards album as well as we knew that people would be, you know, really interested in in the more 70s rock approach of a band like Demons and Wizards. So we defined that a little stronger. That's maybe the pillar of this album and all these uh, additional alternative or more classical, these more darker elements, they, they came in during the production or during the, the songwriting period when we exchanged ideas and we felt that they would be still suitable. I mean, there is no real, uh, you know, there's nothing which we could not do with a Demon's Wizards. That, that's a good thing. It's, mm -hmm. you know, John's and my baby and uh, we have the qualities to do so 
and we have a lot of the interests. And um, if that all is reflected in the music, of course, something new comes along. Sure. Now, now, one of those new things that that seemingly came along, unless unless I'm hearing something that that you don't hear, is your vocal work on the song Midas Disease. Probably the most unique vocal of your career. It, it's you know, like you said, it, it definitely has an '80s quality to it. I mean, my first thought was it had almost like a Blackie Lawless sort of a thing going going on, mixed with your with your sound. Did did that song come naturally or, or did you try something different with that one? Uh, the, the basic arrangement was provided to me short before we started pre-production. So okay. I didn't have a lot of time and John, we were lacking two songs at that point. Okay. And John um, provided me with the idea if that, you know, would do something with me that was basically just, you know, uh, what John was curious about. And I, like the tune because I think it has that ACDC approach. Mm -hmm. So thousands of ideas popped up in my mind and they were all going into, I'm going to do a tribute for Brian Johnson and Bon Scott. And yeah, I maintained the voice um, into such a direction, but the turnout, and I have to agree on that now, uh, is more a Blackie Lawless vibe than it is a Brian Johnson or a Bon Scott vibe. But it, it pleases the song, I feel, and therefore nothing wrong with that. What I had to do, um, I had to be very careful when to sing that in the studio recordings because I know how to maintain the voice into such a direction, but it's still very demanding. Mm -hmm. So I indicated from the beginning that this song would be the last song for this production to be sung because it is easy to harm your voice a little bit. And, sure. um, there is no softness left afterwards for a while. And also there, there always is a minor risk of, you know, hurting your, your voice if you go into such a raspy direction. But it's also part of my nature. So um, I, I like to do that. Sure. But I've never done that. I agree. I've never done that in such an intense way. That's maybe the most intense vocal performance um, up to now. And I, I don't know if I will ever go there again because it's very unlikely that we come up with a song like this again. But it was a very enjoyable song, not only in, in composing, but also in performing in the studio, because it demands different qualities and a different attention. And it is more of a let your hair down song than most of the other songs where you have to be precise. Of course, this had, had been showcased and, and quite uh, accurately designed before as well. But right. not as... as tough as it was the case in in other uh, uh cases okay very good sorry for the call, phone here oh, oh, no, pro <laughs> for no problem that's annoying today. <laughs> well we should be good sorry all right problem. no problem well let's let's talk about another song on the record um the the probably the the, well, it's definitely the most epic song on the record, and it's probably the the other one that I think is going to catch a lot of people's attention, just because it is such a such a big sounding song. And that's uh, "Children of Cain," the the final the final song on the record. Um, very, very. If there's a 
if there's a such thing as a crossover between what you do do in Blind Guardian and what you do with demons and wizards, I would say this is probably as close as it comes. Is that fair? I have to think about that. I think it is because um, I believe that this is uh, the the strongest expression vocal-wise on this album okay. with regard to the melody lines and with the approach of the vocals themselves during the production. I had been very picky there and um, I found these musical arrangements John has provided me with and I just saw the opportunity in making this middle section as operatic or musical-like as possible but still in a... Uh, kind of metal-orientated way. Uh, so therefore, you're right. It is uh, pretty much what I would do with Blind Guardian as well. The exception is uh, that the songwriting in Blind Guardian always goes into a different direction in comparison to that one. And um, I felt that these notes and and the, the mood of the song uh, was more or less designed for me, exactly. So um, I had millions and millions of ideas how to approach to each single line and when doing my songwriting i did like three or four completely different versions and they were all as rich as this one so you can imagine sure. it took a little while but the ideas have been there immediately always it was not like i had to you know really struggle with myself to come up with a line which was as good or even better and also the the stack ups they were quite logical for me um, and that is a rare case if something like this is provided to me and it fits that well so i was really happy about that one and i would agree with you to me that is the strongest song on the album and i believe it's going to have the biggest impact on people but i mentioned that before uh, when we had that discussion about the music in general, we you know we we talked about the seventies approach, and this also had been uh, designed in this one the the most suitable and most perfect way I can imagine. It it holds a little bit of everything, like sure. you know the seventies rock uh, attitudes. It still has the the heaviness and the depth of a Demons and Wizards song, but connected with what I would do in Blind Guardian, it makes a completely different blend. Sure. Now, now, uh, Hansi, you know, with that song in mind, how much of that creative element that you have going that you definitely had going when you worked on this song is maybe partly a, a byproduct of the last venture that you did with Blind Guardian or as Blind Guardian, I guess, because it was pretty much you in the orchestra with the um, with the Twilight Orchestra release. Because that's that was obviously a very different project for you and something that you, uh, you know, had to expand creatively to do. And I, you know, and again, I'm speaking outsider looking in, like maybe that kind of kicked in the spark that that ends up leading to doing such a operatic big song like uh, Children of Cain. With regard to the vocals in general, I have to say um, it has had a very big impact because I'm even more confident about what I'm doing in the studio and I learned a lot, a lot about uh, vocal layers and how to treat them so they will stand out and uh, you know be uh, a set to the song which 
will make it better and, and stronger. Yeah. Um, that is what I for sure have learned on uh, the legacy of the Darklands production. Uh, with regard to the song, I have to say that is really the, the, the mixture of, of John and me creating a beast. And uh, I'm, I'm just happy how it turned out. But yeah, there are many spots on the album, like in Dark Side of Her Majesty or even in Diabolic, where you can feel that um, the, the way I approach to the vocal and how I treat them um, is strongly influenced by what I did just on the Legacy of the Darklands album. And um, I would not have been able to do something like that before. Sure. It appears to me far easier because when going back to Demons and Wizards after you know working on this orchestral stuff over month and month and month and month, um, it was for sure uh, going back to normal. And um, I felt like being more in a regular comfort zone by singing with the metal band and uh, acoustic guitars instead of violins because they somehow um yeah i mean it's what i'm used to do on one hand but on the other hand it also blends better with with the voice itself so it was far easier for me to to maintain that stuff nowadays and that is a tribute to or that's an effect of the orchestral album Sure. Now, one one quick question about the uh, the orchestra album about Legacy of the Darklands. Was that a satisfying release for you? Because I know I know a lot of bands have tried to work with an orchestra, but they've never. I don't want to say never, but most bands haven't found the way to do it correctly. They almost kind of just play their songs over top of the orchestra, and as a fan, that almost never works. With you, with with Legacy of the Darklands it really, really came together nicely as an independent piece, you know, that did not feel like you just layered Blind Guardian over top of it. I would agree with you. That was um, our intention from the beginning. And of course, we even with these individual songs composed for orchestra, we had the discussion to involve the band as well, which would have been an option. And for some bands, it would have made the whole experience easier because then they can relate to you know the metal band and then by that enjoy the orchestra now we were sort of educating people by composing blind guardian music leaving the band out completely just adding my vocals and a slightly different garment but still hansi kirsch like uh, onto it um it was exactly what we wanted to do and that's always a good thing about music and especially about a project like that because things can be very irritating and can mislead you. We luckily uh, decided to go for the origin, for the original idea. And um, this seems to pay back at the moment because uh, while some people, not all, but some people were confused by it in the beginning, more and more people are really getting into it and you feel that um, it opens options for us not only with regard to play it live ourselves, but also to uh, license it to um, stage plays and stuff like this. So there is a lot of, of things going on and it was a, a very interesting experience. As mentioned before, I learned a lot. Sure. And I mean, the, the commercial uh, success is okay. I mean, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we can always sell more albums. I'm, I don't mind that at all. Sure. Um, but for what it is, it, it really opened a few doors for us. And uh, I have the feeling that 
the Blind Guardian fan embraces the album now, and this is all I can ask for. Plus, in addition, we really did what we wanted to do. Um, I never had the feeling when writing that songs, these songs, um, that it would be too difficult for the fan to understand the album. I always related it to Nightfall in Middle-earth when explaining how it should sound, but I always said, well, it's like Nightfall in Middle-earth, but without the band, which right. is hard to imagine if you, if you haven't heard it, of course. But um, I still think that, as an explanation, matches pretty good, and Nightfall in Middle-earth still is our most successful album. So even though we took up a big risk, it was not risky for us because we were so convinced about the music. Definitely. Well, Hansa, you, as always, you're very busy. There's, there's obviously legacy of the dark lands for the, for the blind guardian people. And, um, and certainly demons and wizards, uh, volume three or just three is, is available as well. Uh, what's next for you? Are there, are there plans to get out and I don't know, play any kind of festivals or anything with, with demons and wizards, or do you go back to work with new blind guardian or what's coming next? We wish we could play any, at least any festivals within 2020, uh, but uh, we go back to our main bands. I'm okay. in a blind guardian pre-production already. Okay. Uh, and that will um, go into a real production without any bigger breaks in between. So the uh, Blind Guardian train starts started rolling some weeks ago. Okay. And um, we intend to have that album finished at the end of this year, so it can be released in the beginning of 2021. And uh, that would be followed up by a tour, and that explains why we're not able to play with either uh, with uh, Demon's Wizards, because for John, the situation is pretty much the same. Um, I would love to see Demon's Wizards on the road again, maybe in 2022. Maybe there's a small chance for us to do some festivals in 21. But up to that point, I would say it's quite obvious that uh, there won't be too much action after this album has been released. Okay. Well, then good for us Blind Guardian fans, because at least we're going to get a tour. So that's perfect. So You will get, and we'll get to North America quite soon after we started that tour. Excellent. Well, um, Hansi, as a tradition on the show, we always let the artist pick a closing track from the new release. Maybe tell us a quick story about it. So what would you like us to play to wrap this interview up? If you haven't played uh, Children of Cain so far, then uh, for sure, Children of Cain would be my okay. first choice. All right. That is a very long song. It is a roller coaster ride through all the motions. Um, it delivers the dark spirit, which many people capture on this album. But um, it shows up a little bit of uh, brightness here and there, but um, that is going to be destroyed by the, uh, by the lyrics and by the topic itself. It is a great song. Enjoy it. All right. Well, let's check it out right now. It is Children of Cain. It is Demons and Wizards right here on your classic metal show. <laughs> 